Today's reading is from Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 to 27. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius? Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, 
we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The next day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. I am so grateful. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, what the last half an hour has been in my life. Grateful for the presence of God. Grateful for, for what we could sing, for how we were prayed for, for how the word of God was read to us, for how people are holding out Jesus to our children Grateful to God, grateful to a number of people and, and just want to shout that out. Thank you. Thank you for those involved. Thank you, Jesus, for your idea of your church. It's powerful, it's healing, it's moving, it's encouraging. Grateful. And my name is Etienne and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Pathway. My welcome to, your, to the others as well. If you're joining us this morning online or in present. Uh, in person, present in person. I'm going to add, I hope I'm going to add in the grace of God to the experience so far this morning by continuing on in, in a, a sermon series through a part of the Bible, it's called the Book of Acts. Um, what David read to us is really part of a single event. There's a second half to that event that that, that that concludes. We'll read the whole event next week and, and, and deal with the, the rest of what I think God wants to say and do in us next week. But there's simply too much in it to deal with it as a whole single event, I felt, because I want to put some, put some bonus features on these messages that will require us to go a little bit slower uh, as we journey along. So, so come with me this morning as I, as I take you through the first part of the story. I'll leave you with massive gaps and massive things unexplained. But please join us next week as we, as we carry on with those. Okay, we are going to jump in 
we meet a person, we meet a man whose name is Cornelius. What do we know of Cornelius? He is a military man. He's stationed at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Uh, it's sort of... Uh, <laughs> how's this for a map? Um, you know, last week, Jerusalem, this is where God's really powerfully working uh, in, in, in up to this point in the story in Acts, but Peter sort of going to Joppa, Lydda, last week's stuff, and a little bit north up on the coast, there's this place called Caesarea. And there's this man called Cornelius. He's a, he's a military man. He's in charge of a cohort of Roman soldiers. It's called the Italian Regiment. This is about 100 soldiers. Uh, sorry, it's not a cohort. Uh, it's a smaller unit. A cohort, I think, is 600. And the legion is 6,000. Um, yeah, he's a commander of 100 soldiers, part of 600, and then part of the legion. None of that is really all that striking or interesting. I think what's really intriguing about this man, Cornelius, is the fact that he's devout and he's God-fearing. He's generous. He prays to God. <laughs> but I don't know if you could call him a Christian in our language. I don't know. I'm not saying he was a child of God or not. I'm saying I don't know. That's the intriguing, fascinating part about this man, Cornelius. He wasn't into all things church of the day, you know. Uh, and forgive me if you need a church with the language here, but, but, but if you know this, you, you might get a feel for it. He didn't participate in the worship of God with God's people. He didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't observe the rituals like Passover or in our day and age like the Lord's Supper or, or probably wasn't baptised. He was certainly no convert to the faith and into the people of God and yet there's this intriguing, fascinating thing about him where you read he was clearly open to God. He even prayed to that God. He knew that his purpose on earth was not to live selfishly for his own glory, so he gave generously of his skills, time, money. Can I ask you at this point, does this sound familiar to you? Is this you? Because I think this introduces us to a fascinating stage in a person's relationship with God. The Bible gives us that. I'm not into church fully. I'm not going to worship services. I'm not serving. I'm not part of church, I would say, but but I at the very least suspect there's, there's God. I at the very least suspect that my life has a, has a much bigger purpose than what the rest of the world might tell me. I'm not, I'm not just an accident. I'm not just here by accident. I'm not just here for nothing. I'm 
you probably might even pray at, at times, maybe regularly. Maybe you're not sure exactly how to or who to or why, but, but you feel there is that need and there is that connection and you know that <laughs> there's something out there. There's someone out there. Can I just say at this point, I, I, God sees you. He knows you. He's there with you where you are. I'm going to speak to you again later in the sermon. For now, I just want to, in the introduction of Cornelius, I want to perhaps say that you ought to know that the Bible knows about the place where you are. Already right at the outset of this wonderful thing called the church, there's people like that. There's people like Cornelius. Knowing, suspecting, seeking, maybe not quite sure, don't really know, but here he is. And a lot is about to change for him in his life. We read that he saw in a vision distinctly an angel of God. Okay, wow, that, that now introduces a major thing which turns direction a little bit. I can gloss over this and you saw an angel of God and then move on to what happened. I think it's perhaps worth us stopping. Let's just think a little bit about this whole idea. This whole idea of, of, of God showing himself to this guy Cornelius through a vision which, which is quite common in the Bible with an angel speaking to him, communicating with him. <laughs> if you, if you totally out of church or anti-church, you'd go, this is the fairy-style stuff that makes me think the whole thing is a joke. Or, or, or is it? I, this is what I kind of want to just dig in a bit. Of late in my life, a lot of people have been asking me about angels, including a family member over Christmas. I want to know more about angels. I don't know where, how that all features. You know, and, and just a curiosity. So, so I'm going to do that this morning. Let me, let me, you help me a bit. I want to do a, a, a trivia and I'll get your answers. And if you win, you get nothing. <laughs> There's no prize, just for fun. Uh, first question, I've got a few. True or false? Angels have always existed. False. They were created. They're, they're, they're creatures like us. So, so when exactly, we don't know, but they weren't pre-existing. They're also not omnipresent. They're not like God. They're not ever. They can only be in one place at a time. But created beings. They, they had a beginning. Uh, they started somewhere. Okay? What are the two names of angels that we know of in the Bible? Michael? Gabriel. Gabriel. Right. Have we, got a, we do have a Gabriel. He's not here today, but he's... Uh, yeah, we do have a Gabriel and a Michael in our church. Angels. seen enough of one of them to know that he's not an angel. <laughs> I'm not telling you which one it is. Um, yeah, uh, Michael is presented as some sort of a, a leading figure. Angel, there's this whole host and realm of angels. We're not told how many were made, but some sort of a hierarchy and a leadership structure and so forth among them. That's pretty clear. Um, next question, true or false? Each person has a guardian angel. True, matter of faith. This is a tricky one. 
Unlikely but possible. <laughs> Unlikely but possible. We're not told exactly, but you have instances where, in fact, later in Acts, in a few weeks' time, we're going to deal with uh, when Peter releases, gets released out of prison, uh, his angel. It says Peter's angel who is involved in doing some things. Right? Um, Jesus talks about the angels of the children. We're not quite sure if you can build a whole system on knowing that you know, you've got assigned angels to you or not, uh, but it's possible, right? Uh, another one that's quite interesting, who is more powerful, humans or angels? Hmm. Angels in the biblical story, we'll look at what their purposes were, immensely powerful beings. Here's a verse at the resurrection of Jesus from Matthew 28, verse 2. There was a violent earthquake. For, in other words, because of the cause of the earthquake, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. That's what happens when angels come down. Uh, tremendous power and strength. And now here comes a real... Interesting thought. <laughs> the resurrected human. And the new heavens, the new earth. More powerful than angels. Think about God's plans for his children in their complete and full state. It's enormous, right? For now, angels more powerful. The resurrected humanity as the children of God. Status above the angels. It's incredible. True or false? Angels get married. It's false. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here's the funny thing, you know. Um, Jesus tells us directly, angels neither marry nor are they given in marriage. So just everything about our cultural assumptions with angels is just utterly bogus. Like where the whole Cupid comes in, and uh, I'm not saying it's wrong if you call your girlfriend romantically your angel or your husband or, or whatever, but, but there's certainly no biblical real notion of that. You know, they, they, in fact, I don't think they're ever mentioned to have wings either. Some of the other beings are described as having wings and they often are described as floating through the air and all that, but... Um, yeah, they don't marry. In fact, there are no female angels mentioned in the Bible. Doesn't mean they're not there. Just means they're not mentioned. So, yeah, our idea of them are quite, quite skewed. And and usually, when biblical characters encounter them, they're terrified. You would be too. You wouldn't really want to see one. Most of us. <laughs> they're, they're, they're incredible, awe-inspiring, maybe even fear-inducing creatures. Loving, gentle, but quite scary, perhaps. Okay, next question. What are the purposes of angels? What do they do? There are a number of things. Just yell some out to me. Sorry? Yeah, messengers. So, so like Cornelius, you know, God has a message. So at really key times, he, he uses angels, right? So they, they, in a sense, do what God... They're an extension of how he accomplishes some of what he wants to do. Messengers is one of them. Yeah, any, any others? 
Yeah, I mean, Pete, thank you so much. And, and worship team, you guys illustrated that so well, stretching our imagination to what this looks like and the whole thought that we are part of this incredible picture of the worship of God. It's, it's just stellar, really. But yes, they do that, yeah. Anything else? Destroyer. Sorry, Tom? Destroyer? Warriors, yes, sorry, yeah, warriors. They, and particularly, and I'll get to this in the next question, you know, uh, spiritual warfare, battle. Righto? This is an area we, we, we will plumb into and grow in as Christians and as a church, perhaps in future, but the angels are critical in that. Yeah, yeah. They help and protect. And then there's one that's <laughs> not so... Not so warm and fuzzy, but they execute God's judgment. At the return of Jesus, it's the angels who move through the earth. In the Old Testament, in a lot of the, the judgment stories, it's the angels who execute the judgment. Yeah? Yeah? That's right. Angel of death, you got all that. So, so these are sort of the, 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 the roles we see angels play all throughout the scriptures, uh, it's, it's quite loaded with, with, with stories and functions of angels. And then my last question, what can we learn about God or about ourselves from angels, from looking at them, from studying them, the little that we know of them? What, what, how does it help us? What does it show us about God? Yeah, he is to be worshipped and honoured. If beings as powerful as this fall at his throne, unquestioningly obey him and love him and worship him, <laughs> how much more should we? Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had, on that point, God is, God is great. I mean, you've got to think about this. For, for, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, things visible, things invisible. In terms of what God has made, we don't know nothing really about what he has made and what he has done. And this just gives us that glimpse of something more, something so vastly outside of our, our conception. Um, I'll, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. I think we learn from angels that God cares for his children. Look at the level of loving care that God has extended to the characters often through angels. Hebrews says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? God cares about you. He cared about Cornelius. And perhaps just a note on that, I might just... In case there's curiosity around this, you don't need to see an angel as part of your Christian life. It's not like it's some sort of box you want to check, this maturity box to see, I've seen an angel, that's great. This is really showing that I'm progressing well in the Christian life. No one in Scripture has ever asked to see an angel. No one sought it. A few people did see it. But you know why you won't lack anything? Because you've got the Son of God. <laughs> Why? Hebrews is such a wonderful book for that. You've got the Son of God. 
who you can see and will see and will know, who's infinitely higher than the angels. So, so while it's sort of a real step up for us, it's what you do have, who you will see and hear and know is, is inexpressible in terms of his glory, his strength, his own spirit living in you. <laughs> Angels pale in comparison to that. It's an incredible gift that we're given. And still, as if that's not enough, God still employs angels for our benefit and care. Uh, and lastly, and this is just really if you doubt the whole thing about angels, I mean, if you doubt angels, you probably doubt God. And the whole point is that God is, in terms of where you come from, uh, you are more than flesh and blood. There's more to you than just biology. You have a soul. You have a spirit. I mean, your struggle is not against science or the government or the world or COVID. It's against much weightier things than that. It's your spiritual battle that you struggle with in life. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces and evil. And that's just a verse that doesn't talk about this directly, but it says that there's a lot more going on in our life and our world than just biology. And angels are a part of that. I'm not touching on fallen angels, demons and such. We'll deal with that separately at a later stage. Okay, that's angels. I'm going to move on towards the finish. I don't have too much more to do today, but there is some important points I want to lift out. Back into the story, Cornelius sees this angel. The angel tells him that there's a man named Peter in Joppa. So remember, they're here in Caesarea. There's Joppa. And now the movement in the story starts to begin. And it's pretty cool. Because as we read the story, we see some connections that are starting to happen. So here's the first connection we see. I'm going to try and make it. We see... Oh, I need to get a ladder. Cornelius, in this story of our sins, some people... Okay, staple you... Got it. To here. Does anyone watch crime shows? You know, the detective shows? Don't you love when they put out their pin up? Does it make you jealous when you see those boards where they try and do all those connections when they work things out? Has anyone ever set one up when you try to figure something out? <laughs> I haven't, but this made me think of that. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's not all that elaborate. Yes, so uh, <laughs> the movement starts to go. You see... Caesarea starts to get connected with Joppa. Um, you know, Cornelius sends the people. He says he follows the advice straight away. Go and get this man called Peter. Then the story uh, transitions down to Joppa. We read the whole thing about Peter. Peter has this vision as well. God communicates to him about all the animals and all those sorts of things. A lot of stuff there. Next week, we'll get there. For today, at the end of that all, here's what happens. We read, the Spirit said to Peter in verse 19, don't hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. And then the story moves on. Peter meets these men. They tell Peter what has happened. And then the next day, Peter starts to move out of where he is. Peter is our pink, pink thread. He goes up to 
Caesarea. And the whole story finished for today with Peter rocking up in Caesarea. Oh, come on. And these two are connected. I think if you were to elevate yourself above the story and you look down at the circumstances and the way in which those two places became connected and those two people became connected, I think there's a wow in it. I think there's a wow. Is this how you met? <laughs> and I want to just sit on that as a point, one of just a few concluding points or, or thoughts for us to apply to our lives. And I want to sit on that firstly by way of a testimony. So can I invite just two people, Kylie and Chris, can you come onto the stage, please, and join me up here. I, um, I sort of thought about how to illustrate this point this week and, and, and just what it looks like perhaps in, in our day and age. And, and I, my mind just jumped straight away to this story that I want to share with you. It's, it's an incredible story and it's, it's worth sharing and repeating. So, so I'm going to ask a few questions. Um, this is Kylie, everyone. Yeah, can you say hi, Kylie? That's wonderful. This is Christine, everyone. Wonderful, wonderful. I hope you feel welcome after that. Uh, three questions. Kylie, I'm going to start with you. Um, Kylie, Kylie runs a Lego club and she does a few other things here as part of church and you're sort of a bit of a newcomer to Pathway and, um, and it's so good to have you, really. And so I wanted partly to have Kylie up here just so you're introduced and, and know that Kylie represents Pathway in quite a number of things and what we do, and it's worth you knowing who she is. But you tell us a bit more. What is Lego Club about? What do you do? And, uh, yeah, okay. go for it. Can okay. I? Good morning, everybody. Um, well, once upon a time, going back 12 months ago, I would have read out the blurb that Christine and I put together for what is Lego Club. Mm. Lego Club is teamwork, problem-solving skills, social communication skills, emotional regulation skills, creativity and having fun. But since Lego Club has evolved, it is more around self-like people gathering in a safe space, acceptance, non-judgment, um, quirky people like myself just having a blast. Um, they have gained self-confidence. They move around Pathway Centre and have a sense of ownership of the building and the rooms. I now reach and touch, or we do, reach and touch around 45 children with Lego Social Club. I reach around 40-odd families in amongst that. And the biggest thing that I think um, that is undersold, if that's the right word, yeah. is Pathway Centre in itself. In those families, they now gather, I leave food in the foyer, and they now have made self-like friendships in a safe space where they laugh and giggle about their life problems and what's affecting them. 
they now have a sense of ownership within Pathway Centre. Um, I get quite emotional when I talk about it because I never knew that it would lead me down this road. But the best thing for me is that I have a sense, finally, in my 50s, of um, community. Mm. A sense of belonging. A sense of that I'm an okay human. That I have something to offer to people. Um, And... I I really feel that um, Pathway Centre is now reaching out in a different way to the community and has been spoken in a different way other than the church. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, It's been such a blessing to have journeyed about 12 months. Yeah, Uh, yeah, just seeing families and children on a week afternoon and just tracking with the development of that and... uh, yeah, the fairy bread they make sometimes and pass me in my office is not bad either. It's really quite a lovely thing. Um, so, yeah, Kylie's been involved, uh, you know, through these programs uh, and, and very much uh, a part of Pathway. And, and so the question I want to step back to then after this introduction is, and I'll feel this to Chris, uh, how did the two of you meet? That's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, we'll say random, but I would say it's a God thing, definitely. So um, a while ago, Bianca and I used to run our groups together and Bianca went back to full-time teaching and I went, oh, I'm not doing this on my own. <laughs> I was quite nervous about it. Um, and around that same time, I go to Splash, the aquatic centre, and so does Kylie. And we were in the change room quite a few times together and I liked Kylie's bag. So was she was sharing. <laughs> But I, we started a conversation one day about her bag. Do you want to show me your bag? Because it's cool. Well, if you know me, I'm a bag and shoe person. So if you comment on my shoes or bag, you're friends for life. <laughs> right. So Christine admired my waterproof bag. And it's actually from um, a quirky lady that I know who makes them out of seed bags. So oh, cool. Out of feed, seed bags. Yeah, the feed mm. for coffees or sheep or whatever come in. Or uh, llamas. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we started a conversation around bags and um, then week after week we just started to build that conversation and, and Kylie is just one of these amazing people, a bit like you, Ed, who remembers things. You know, she'll say, oh, how, how's it going with this? Or I noticed you've got your new car out there or something. And she just, yeah, she's just very consistent and very caring. And she also spoke about the fact that she had a, a background as a teacher aide and, and in childcare as well. And... Um, I guess I'm a bit of an intuitive person. I just felt one day that I should ask Kylie if she was interested in running the groups with me, the, the um, Secret Agent Society. So that was only like a couple of hours a week that we were starting off with and Kylie said, <laughs> all right, I'll give it a go. And um, yeah, what's grown from that is just... Because we always get asked by these kids that make great gains through this program, is there anything else that you can do? And I don't really have a lot of capacity to do anything more, but Kylie's got this boundless energy, so... It's grown from one Lego club to now five Lego clubs and three life skills groups that are all using our kitchen and learning some cooking skills and a disco um, and now a brain boot camp over at the shed for two afternoons a week. So that's another 20 kids and connections with schools. So it's just kind of blowing out a bit, but it's so exciting. Yeah. 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 Uh, hold on to the mic for me, Chris. This, this obviously is an extension of, and I'm going to, Go to mission here, right? The 
the, the mission statement of the shed, extending the grace of God to our community. This is what we're trying to do. How do you see the hand of God at work in your connection together in all of this? So I'll get you to just share an insight on that, Chris, and then Kylie, and then um, I'll let you guys go. Yeah, to you, as you interpret this, how do you see the hand of God at work? Um, in every aspect of it. You know, nothing's fluky. It's all mm. the meeting Kylie and the bag and the, you know, the change rooms and the skill set that she has and the position she was in life was... Yeah, it was sure. definitely... Timing was yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think Kylie and I had a real moment this week, didn't we? We, we ran a... Um, over at Pathway Shed, we ran some school holiday activities and one of them was a, a Lego and a pizza-making one. And, um, and we, we had quite a few cancellations thanks to COVID, but we suddenly ended up with all these extra people. And in the process of running this activity, we would put the roller doors up at Pathway Shed, if you've seen the layout. So we thought, oh, I'll get some airflow and we'll put the roller doors up. And people from the community just started coming. You know, people would walk across the road and say, oh, can, can we join in? Can our kids join in? And then they'd stay and have a bit of a chat and then someone else would rock up from down the street and say, oh, I brought you bins in this week. I'm, I'm looking after you. He's, got, he's called Trent and he's come a couple of times now to the shed and then some other guy came past on his bike with his two kids and he popped in and, and Kylie and I just looked at each other and she said, is this what you imagine, Chris? And I said, this is exactly what I hope for. Yeah, yep, just wonderful. a place that our community, or well, that community could just pop in and just feel welcome and, and feel present. And, and Kylie and her husband, Ken, have been, yeah, invaluable in yeah. contributing to that. And, um, yeah, a lot more exciting things in yeah. the pipeline there. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Is yeah. that the answer? Yeah, no, <laughs> there's no right answer. How do you see Kylie sort of God at work in, uh, yeah, I, and, and I know we could probably wow. listen for... <laughs> A long time, but um, yeah, that's a really profound, deep question for me, Tim. Sure. Um, I'm not going to bore you with my life scars, but I met Christine when I was what I call um, in a fork in a road, but it was more like a splayed sticking into me with a roundabout and red lights flashing and all sorts of things. I was in a really uncertain. Um, time. Mm. I had taken extended leave from my professional career because I was at Crossroads there. Our daughter, our only child, how dare she go well in life and leave home. <laughs> um, and COVID hit and her and her partner were locked down in Warrnambool and our little family was struggling. And then my mother died. So I could write a book on a bit of a, um, a story, but this particular day in Splash, when I got to meet Christine um, and that journeyed on, I now look and reflect that I was being directed by God um, to move and to challenge myself in a different area, in a different way of thinking through um, friendship and leadership with Christine, who has been an amazing mentor, with whom I struggle to keep up with. Um, but, yeah, um, out of um, darkness, tragedy, mm. deep sadness, mm. for me, has evolved first and foremost Pathway Centre, mm. Pathway Church, and I can now look out onto this stage and say that I've met so many 
amazing people that I can class now as friends, family, um, and I'm a bit of all right human after all. Mm. Yeah, my scars make me, mm. and I'm actually proud of them. Yeah. And you're one of them. <laughs> Just wonderful. Yeah. God takes the initiative. He brings Joppa and Caesarea together at his own initiative. He brings a Kylie and a Christine together at his own initiative at a place like Splash. You're never where you are by accident. You're not even here this morning by accident. And I'll get back to Cornelius now. Cornelius, he suspected there was a God. He was looking for him. Can I encourage you, if you answered yes to yourself earlier, that yes, this is me, would you look for whom God is going to send to bring you in? Who is the person? Who is the family member? Whose bag is it that you like? He still does it. He's not done. And he's not done with you. And even in this very moment, on this very day, I want to give you the opportunity to say, this is me. And I understand that God is searching me. I don't want to sit on the outside. I want to be on the inside. I want to be among the friends. I want to know them. I want to grow with them. I want to be shaped by them, blessed by them, and ultimately by the God whom they worship. So I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to get back to the story next week. We'll learn more from Peter and others, but I just want to pray right now for that. And I ask you that you put out your heart and just accept Jesus, today is the day where you say yes. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you take initiative in all of our lives. Help us to see you at work. And I pray for each person here this morning who is saying, enough with ignoring the accidents. I want in. Lord Jesus, yes, will you come into my heart? Teach me how to love you. Bring me in your family. I pray in your name alone. Amen. All right. Thank you, ladies. You may have a seat. And uh, music team, you can come on up.